This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. You're listening to the Blockade Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Freebus, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me as always, halfway across the world, Jared Morgan. Hello, Chris. It sounds like you're calling from Outer Mongolia. How are you today? <laughs> uh, you know, everything was going just fine. Uh, was all getting prepared for the show, and then all of a sudden, out went the internet. So I am doing this via mobile phone. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I know what going having no internet's all about, mate. So <laughs> I feel what, exactly what you're talking about there. It's horrible. Yeah, there, there's nothing like, you know, working perfectly fine all day long, and you think everything's going great, and then poof. Right when you just need it before most. you're about to record. Yep, just yeah. when you're about to record. Fantastic. Yep. So, Wonderful you stuff. know, thanks, Spectrum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, what's been going so, on? Well, folks, we have had just busy podcast after busy podcast, haven't we? It's almost uh, too much. And today we have yet another busy podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> because uh, joining us in just a few moments is going to be Mel Kirk, the VP of Publishing over Zed. And uh, we've got a host of questions to uh, berate him with, but he's also got announcements to make, um, which will just give us more fuel for the fire to talk about probably next week and beyond. So um, probably. With, with, with no further ado, why don't we just hop straight into this and uh, Mel, say hi. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? We're doing fantastic. You have been all over the place these last two weeks. I've seen you pop up in print interviews. I've seen you pop up in video interviews. Um, just busy, busy times there, huh? It is. It's really busy. Um, obviously, the news of Williams Ballet coming to Pinball FX and under Zen's care um, is a pretty meaningful bit of news in the pinball world. Uh, I would argue also just in uh, general entertainment and, and video games. So, We've been busy. It's, it's nice that people uh, want to talk and really care about this. And so we're just trying to be as available as possible. So uh, here I am also with you guys. I'm really, really glad to just <laughs> talk to you directly. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, it's, it's awesome <laughs> really to be here. Uh, I listened to your last few podcasts. Uh, you guys are spot on. You guys know your pinball. So always good to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been? I know that you guys were a little bit nervous prior to the announcement of uh, how this was going to be received, both by your regular Zen customers and by all the customers who are used to playing uh, the Williams Tables in Pinball Arcade. Um, I got to imagine it's been kind of a breath of relief with how the reception has been going. Yeah, I got to say, uh, we're, we're, we feel really good. It's been, a, you know, a little bit of the pressure. It feels a little bit removed. But, um, you know, we're not done yet. Uh, the feedback we've gotten is very positive. So we, so we feel good about the game, uh, but this is just the beginning. Uh, we're looking at Williams Valley and this whole project is a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. We've just gotten started, but so far, so good. We seem to be earning people's trust, at least their, uh, their willingness to give us a shot at this and to, uh, to just have the dialogue about what kind of game that they want to play. So that's all we could have asked for at this point. Yeah, I we commented on the previous week where I'd gone on to Facebook uh, and looked at the Zen page just to see what the comments were. And it was interesting seeing a completely different perspective, which is the customer that is solely a Zen fan and seeing comments of like, oh, no, not real pinball. That's boring. <laughs> yeah, we knew we'd get a little bit of that. But 
I think we've got something in our back pocket, you know, which we're going to talk about today. Um, which yeah. Happen, so why, why don't we? Why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about that right now? Because I think that'll uh, alleviate okay. some of those people's concerns and also enlighten uh, the other sides. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about you know our news for today. First of all, we have a we have a, a release date for you. Nope. Um, games are going to be releasing October 9th. Uh, on you know, that's uh, volume one, which includes Junkyard. Medieval Madness and the Getaway High Speed 2. Um, that's going to be on Pinball FX for Xbox, PlayStation 4, Win 10, Steam, Nintendo Switch, and then Zen, uh, Zen Pinball 2 on Mac. Now, you might notice I didn't mention Fishtails because Fishtails is not a part of Volume 1. Fishtails is actually going to be free for everybody. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in other words, so, so now game. you get you get a uh, 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 sorcerer's lair as a free table and fishtails as a free table. Correct. So uh, any new player coming to FX3? That's right. Two two free tables. Uh, one original work by Zen, and then in fishtails, which um, you know I'm kind of proud because it's my favorite game. It's the game that got <laughs> me into pinball. So I just felt like I want to give it to everybody. Um, and <laughs> that's what we're doing. It's awesome. Do we have yet any kind of uh, pricing announcement for the Volume 1? Yes, uh, I can tell you that Volume 1 will cost $9.99. That'll get you all three tables. It that's a- fantastic. That's very, very well priced. <laughs> uh, well, that's, very- that's basically what the, the going rate on a standard Zen 3-pack is, so it's, it's really wonderful that it's the same price despite being this awesome license. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm glad you agree. Um, that's uh, you know uh, we feel like we can be aggressive like that. It's a 9.99 price, and I have one other thing to tell you. That's yes, there's more. <laughs> we're just doing it all here. We're all just rushing all at once. Um, not only in the 9.99 price are you gonna get uh, now that sales that sounds too salesy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> games. You're gonna get the classic mode, but Zen is also making remastered versions of these games. And what, what does that mean? Um, that means that there's a version of the game that was going to play a little more like a modern pinball experience like you used to from Zen. We're talking about 3D interactive characters. We're talking about ball effects, particle effects, sidewall art, um, different type of uh, arcade type of features that you know in, in Zen pinball. So we're, we have the classic play, and you've got this remastered version. You're going to get all of that in the same package. Um, at a toggle of a button, like on your PlayStation, you just push the O button. You can switch back and forth between the classic game and the remastered game. And you can play it however you want. You can play with the classic physics or with the new pro physics that we've come out with. And uh, it's up to you how you want to play, but all that is going to exist. And finally, if you're on PC and, you wanna, and you're in the uh, PFX3 beta right now, you can play them right now. Wow. Yeah, me and, uh, me and Jared have been able to play with this for five weeks now. Yeah, folks, <laughs> you know how hard it is to keep a secret like this? incredibly <laughs> difficult. Oh, um, and you have no idea, Mel, the excitement we had when we discovered that push of the button. It was like, whoa, what the heck just happened? Because I thought that it was just going to be purely for playing single player mode. Then you get all the the whiz bang of a Zen table, and then if you're playing classic single player, no, you were stuck in in that mode. And I accidentally, my thumb hit the button. That was like, what just happened? <laughs> Yeah, me too. Totally the same experience. It was just like, whoa, what just, what was this? Surprise. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah, it, yeah. it's pretty slick. The team really worked hard to make that uh, possible. It's very seamless, as, as you know, you guys have been playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was, you know, 
the, the way that we just approached this whole thing was like, you know, uh, we just wanted people to be able to do what they want whenever they want. And that seemed like the, the easiest thing to make it happen. Um, Cause then you can actually really appreciate maybe what we've done differently um, because you can just sit there and go back and forth and you really, you, you get a sense of, you know, and like what Zen can add to a game. So this is well, something. It's also one of these things that, that we've been dying to mention is that the single player mode plays exactly like, the all the Zen tables that you've been used to. Uh, the flipper angle, uh, it goes a little bit higher. It actually matches what was in Pinball Arcade. Um, so catches are way easier. It kind of uh, makes, it, makes it more it, accessible it, to, more to those that aren't into pinball. Yeah, correct. Or aren't into real pinball. Um, while adding all the crazy Zen effects that uh, a lot of us really do appreciate in, the, in many aspects. Um, I'm curious to know how crazy is too crazy when applying this stuff to the Williams tables? Yeah. And that's a really good question. <clears throat> Something that we've been asking ourselves a lot. And with this first, you know, with volume one releasing, uh, we've taken, we've taken it to a certain limit, I would say. Um, yeah. and we, we thought made sense. We thought what um, enhanced the game and, and, but we didn't want to mess with the game too much. Like we didn't want to interfere with the classic gameplay experience. We didn't want it to feel like Zen is just, walking in here and messing around with something that's already perfect because these games as they exist to a lot of the, to, to our, to us, to our fan base, these are perfect creations. So why would we mess with them? And we're aware that some of you are going to ask that question. Um, this is also part of why Zen is working with these games now is, um, you know, they, uh, a, a, lot, a lot of people, especially like my kids, younger generation, never heard of these games. They've never played them. Um, they might not play them if, unless there's something moving around on them. So mm-hmm. it's a way to introduce them to, to a new audience. And so we want to take the right steps and the right progression with it. So we've, we've gone to a certain extent with volume one. We definitely want to hear from everybody what you think. We can take it further. I mean, you know, in Infinity Gauntlet, we flip the whole table upside down. So there's nothing that we can do, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. but, it, but it's got to make sense. So that's kind of the approach and the thinking uh, around it this first time around. I'm a bit yeah. curious because um, one of the things that I immediately thought of as potential was, oh my God, if you're playing Whirlwind, instead of the spinner discs, suddenly up can pop tornadoes, right. um, you know, the, and would have the, essentially the same physics would happen with flinging the ball around, but now you've got this awesome visual. But then I immediately went, ah, oh, but that's an alphanumeric. And there is also a problem with your newer uh, generation of players where they expect a DMD. Would it be possible, I know it's technically possible, but is it a consideration of Zen to maybe go ahead and create your own DMD of that very game? Um, to bring it up to, to spec on that. It's a possibility. We're, we're talking about it. Um, it. It all falls into this, you know, what kind of line should we, should we be walking and how far should we go? I kind of have a feeling that once people play these, they're going to they're gonna say, Zen, like, you might as well just make full-blown, uh, you know, like new ones. But we're not going to rewrite rules or create different modes. It still needs to ma- maintain that the same game. But okay. what we, aesthetically, what can we do with the visuals? What can we do, um, you know, just the, the enhancement of it. But, you know, I don't think we're ever going to, like, go from the ground up and just completely, like, remake Whirlwind. Um, that's, that's a little outside of, outside actually of what our agreement is and in, in what we're, we're kind of tasked to do. Okay. Right. Because we actually had uh, the folks from uh, Zachariah on the show a few episodes ago, and they've done some very interesting things with their their remake tables where they've taken the sort of, I guess the theme of the table and really just modernize the whole thing. And it really was quite a very 
interesting um, gameplay experience and overall sort of freshening up of what are generally really good solid old tables. So I can understand though, if there are some limitations um, in contractually that mean you can't go too crazy, you've got to sort of keep the properties the way they sort of were originally intended. Well, and also uh, with, uh, you know, with like some of the licensed content here, we are dealing with uh, other people who own licenses and it looks like a completely different type of deal if you want to make something new versus you just taking something old and, and re-releasing it. So okay, even though right. you have to, you have to say that they're okay with us doing the enhancements, we're trying to get away with saying it's not a completely new from the ground up product. If we're just talking about Williams Valley tables that they own all the aspects to, that might be possible. If we hear enough, like, Hey, just completely remake this game. Like we might consider that, but um, mm-hmm. the license side of things, it just complicated. You know, anytime you're going to do something like that, it's, it's even more complicated. It's really one of those things you've got to ask. Before you just do. <laughs> yeah, no, you never just do. At least that's the way Zen operates with right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so essentially what we're going to be getting now is we're going to have three different difficulty modes, wherein if you play single player, you get the standard Zen mode. If you go into classic single player, then you get uh, basically what everybody's been playing in the demo uh, these past two weeks, as well as tournament mode. So it's really kind of pick your points. Three different play styles. Exactly, and yet you can still get the visuals however you like them in, in all three manners. Because even in, even in single-player, you can turn off the, the whiz-bang and have it look just like the standard table. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so because we have the three different difficulties, and I know you've uh, maybe heard this question now, um, would it be possible to, in the standard Zen tables under the single player, not the, or, or excuse me, under the classic single player of those old tables to use these new physics that are being applied to these Williams tables. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about that. Uh, I know we've discussed it uh, amongst this group here. Um, yeah. I was also, I was on steam uh, the other day, just answering some questions and gathering feedback. Cause we, we did a, you know, a physics update. And I just wanted to see what the response was. And that was one of the first questions was like, Hey, can you take these physics and put them on all your other games? And, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we hear the request. Um, I think it's a worthwhile thing for us to do um, in studio. We're actually trying to estimate the time, the resources involved with that. And then, I mean, honestly, we're trying to prioritize what everybody wants because there's there's a lot and yeah. um, <laughs> things, things quality takes takes time. Um, and so we don't want to rush. It's on our list of things to do. Um, I, I per, so here's what's funny about me, right? I'm actually enjoying the the, the new pro physics uh, quite a bit. So. I do want to play other tables with you uh, with, with those physics, and um, and so I, I think that at some point we can make that happen. My personal think- my personal request is just start with aliens, um, but uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. aliens is a is a you're you're right, Chris. Aliens has a really real pinball feel to it, it does. and it will be very interesting to see what the the actual uh, Williams physics felt like on that. I remember a while back, I think I might, might have asked a question. Uh, probably this was probably about two years ago now. I think where there on the original tables, it would have been quite technically difficult to redo all the collisions and all that sort of stuff on the tables because you essentially, when you apply a new physics model to a table, you've got to remap everything, right? Yeah. So I'd imagine that's the thing that the studio is contemplating at the moment, going through their entire back catalogue of tables and working out, wow, this is going to take X number of weeks, months, whatever it's, you know it's a lot of undertaking i mean we have a big portfolio right we have a lot of mm-hmm. tables there um and some of our secret sauce i you know i don't i'm not going to just give it away here but there's 
you're onto something there with the, with the collisions, surface materials, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, we, we need to make adjustments. It's not like we just say, you know, deploy one line of code and they're all changed. Every table has to have personal attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the same as Farsight's tuning model as well. So they, yeah. they have to, they had to pretty much per table, even the physics for the flippers per table, they had to actually tweak. So we, we understand or we have at least some idea about the just the sheer volume of work this would actually flow onto if you yeah. do decide to do that. So, yeah, yeah. totally, totally get it. Mel, we've been getting a lot of questions regarding, uh, obviously, we're starting off with here with, you know, four DMD tables. And the immediate question everybody went was, what about System 11, you know, Williams? And what about EMs? Um, what is the scope of the license? I assume it covers anything Bally and Williams. And then what is the scope of what Zen is going to be uh, kind of angling on? Okay. Yeah. Uh, our license agreement covers the entire scope of Williams Bally. So anything that they produce, uh, we we can remake if we want to. That includes uh, System 11, um, older stuff, all everything there. Um, our primary, I think what we focused on first, at least for volume one, two, and, and three are laid out, is uh, you know some of the, the bigger names, some of the things that people – obviously are, are the most popular, really establish the product, give people what they want the most. Yeah. And then if you look kind of like what, what we've done, maybe even with like Marvel, I, I'll go back to our Marvel collection, what we've done recently with Star Wars is like, then you kind of start to get into the fan service. You know, like Marvel, we did Moon Knight. And a lot of I was like, just going to say Moon Knight. <laughs> but if you look at Zen, like our history is about fan service. So um, yeah, I, you'll see, you know, uh, there will be fan service here. There will be things that like are off the beaten path that, People will be excited to, to, to hear about in their chat. It might not be the most popular thing um, previously, but yeah, we want to give we want to give everybody like a, a taste of everything. So, because there was where I was thinking also, especially with if you did delve into EMs, oh my god, you could totally go nuts with the the Zenified version um, to make them look completely different than anybody's ever thought of an EM. Yeah. Um, yep. So. What, like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll take you know, Like, if you were going to do an EM game, like, what would be your, your top, like, two that you'd want to see? Oh, God. Oh, well, <laughs> That's a very good question. Because, you know, to be honest, we've mostly been immersed in the, the Gottlieb era EMs with, yeah. um, with Pimble Arcade, because that was, you know, a lot of the, I mean, really, the, the Gottliebs are the really good EM sort of things. But there are some Williams and, and Belly EMs out there that, um, I'll give you an example of just one that people would probably maybe have recognized just from seeing it on TV from Happy Days, uh, good old Nippet, where it's kind of got that swamp alligator theme going on. And one of the uh, gates that you lock the ball behind, uh, I don't know, in my mind, I always imagine it being an alligator's mouth, (laughs) if you will. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing where it's just like, oh, wow, you could really apply that touch to it and make it something more or even to the extent of, I believe, uh, what was it, Captain Fantastic um, or $6 million man, although that's kind of a more solid state, um, where it's just how awesome would it be to see, you know, Elton John dancing around on the table or, you know, Steve Austin running around doing bionic things. <laughs> it's, not, it's not only that, but, you know, even if you didn't go as far as that, I mean, that would be great because it would actually add a lot of, I think, for the original custom bases in that would really appeal to them but yeah. you know a lot of the the problem with the the ens of course is they were pre-flashes so 
the engagement that you get from the playfield lights and all that right. sort of stuff isn't as rich as you would on a early solid state where they started to introduce the automotive flashes. So even putting effects like that into those EM tables and sort of creating your own light shows around them would actually add to the appeal of those tables really quite a lot, I think. I totally agree. Um, of course, yeah, I mean, other thing we're considering, this is like very big picture, is we got to see what the response is to this. Yeah. Um, mm. and we, you know, Zen, like we've, we're one of the longest lasting independent game studios. And I always, everyone, I, you know, when I get interviewed, people say, well, how'd you guys do it? What's your secret? I said, we just listen to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> got to tell us what they want. We try to do that, you know? So, so uh, when people are responding, they're, they're buying the game, they're enjoying the game. We see that, okay, we're going to have a long history here. Like we're going to, we're going to do this. Um, all goes back to the risk of Zen doing this in the first place. But yeah. There isn't anything that we can't do. Um, there isn't anything that we can't bring. I hear comment, like tons of requests for comment, you know. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes. That's because with us, one of those, the the triplet of carnival games that we didn't get was Comet, which I always used to go, what, you got Cyclone? That's basically Comet with an extra ramp. So shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the other things, and... and We've been used to being able to adjust our lighting uh, with these tables. And obviously, Zen has had locked-in lighting, but then somebody popped in and was like, no, that's what the gamma control is for, which is not really true lighting adjustment that's in Zen. It's just kind of uh, a darkening of the table or whatever. Have you guys considered um, doing any kind of allowing us to do any kind of lighting adjustment? Or is it going to be more, uh, and I'll bring this up with the most recent uh, table pack you guys released with the uh, Star Wars pack of the Solo. In the Solo table, there's a moment where the entire table just blacks out and it's basically just a spotlight of light hitting it. And my immediate response was, oh my God, that's exactly perfect for if you're doing Circus Voltaire and Neon Multiball pops up or doing Strobe Multiball and Attack from Mars. So that's where it was kind of curious. Is it going to be kind of is Zen more likely to do that approach or let the users have control of what the lighting would actually look like? Yeah. And that's not a feature that we have developed along the way with FX3, you know, over our history. Um, so, you know, our feature for changing lighting is a little more restricted. A lot of that it has to do with the fact that the IPs that we've dealt with previously, um, we're making very modern stuff based on current um, IP. And they didn't want players to be able to change it to then like show it and have it be a different representation Nah. They wanted to right. So that's why we never we never really focus on that feature. Here we are coming into this. It's a little different because there's some precedent. There's some history um, uh, with these tables before having the lighting uh, being so adjustable. So again, it's it's a feature that we've got on our roadmap, um, and we're very aware that people want it. And um, you know, so we'll, hopefully, eventually, we can get to that. But that's a little bit of the history and the context why we don't have it now. Um, but it's yeah, not I think that context is really important. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um, let's delve into a little licensing uh, with the Williams license, if you're able to. Um, I'm not trying to to go into exactly what happened and whatever, but I'm curious. Was FX3 because last year just kind of like you guys sprung it on us. You go, hey, guess what we've been working on for a year? It's FX3, <laughs> and it was like, wait, did did we ask for this? No, but cool. And then we started playing, and it was like, this is amazing. I'm wondering, was FX3 designed with the Williams license in mind, or is it just a coincidence of timing? 
Yeah, FX3 was designed with a lot of things in mind. It was designed to, yes, you hit the nail on the head there. It was designed with Williams in mind. I look at Pinball FX3 as a pinball universe. Lots of different things. We want to be the destination, the hub for all things pinball. Yeah. Uh, classic games, modern day games, pin, pinball news, information, tournament play. We're, we're highlighting the, the the Budapest Pinball Museum. We're highlighting the Pacific Pinball Museum. Anything pinball related, I want it to live in pinball effects. And I want it. And so this destination that we're trying to create in this connected community that we're trying, trying to create has room for different kinds of people and different kinds of players, the various skill sets, interests, all that stuff. So absolutely. FX3 was designed for this in mind. It's, it's really just, it's, it's a, it's a pinball platform. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, how is scientific involved in anything other than basically collecting the royalty checks or are you guys having to consult with them? How involved um, okay. are they, or they, have they given you basically complete freedom? They've given us freedom. Um, they trust us. They, they see the history of Zen, our quality product, our commitment to customer service, our commitment to doing licensing correctly and um, consulting on important things that, you know, they don't care if, if we're making, uh, you know, like on some very little detail kind of stuff, a big picture, they like our vision and uh, that's what they're involved in. They're involved. So in- does that mean that you would even have the freedom to, let's say, do a prototype version of a game and where we'd say that is like, take Judge Dredd, where the the release version did not have Dead World spinning because operators were worried it was breaking, but the prototype versions, it always was, and so there was no cost issue digitally to make that a thing. Or Cactus Canyon, where they didn't put the stickers on the pop-up uh, drop targets. Is that something that you guys would be allowed to uh, implement then? Yeah, those are details. Uh, well, Judge Dredd is a, is a license, so we'd have to work with the license holder as well. Sure. Cactus right. Canyon, we... That's not something I would necessarily run by, you know, just to give you a little bit of the way we work. I wouldn't run that by them necessarily. That would be a decision that Zen could make on our, that we can make on our own. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. That is. Yeah. Because that was one of the, the issues that was with uh, Farsight having the license. They were mandated. You can only release what production run was. Um, and that was always irksome because it was like, Oh, but what about, this little little item that was just it's a cool little feature that everybody that owns the table mods their table in this manner you know like you or, know or, firepower with drop targets and stand-ups for example you know right or Earthshaker where the uh the earthquake center drops and raises and on the production around the table they just left it standing because again it was like oh that's an extra motor that's going to cost extra money let's you know eliminate that so the first commitment um, is to make the game uh, as true to form as possible absolutely great. and then you know, like, I, I don't know that we're, uh, you, you know, the way we operate when we we're going to announce a game to the time it comes is uh, somewhat, we, we try to be um, quick. We try to be within a month because, yeah. um, you know, everyone just wants these things so quick. Um, but we are thinking to ourselves, maybe we need to build in a little more time and then just announce things to say, hey, these are the next games we're working on and make sure that we collect all of these little, because there's there's a lot, Some a lot of these games have, like you just mentioned with Cactus Canyon, all these little nuances or little things about them. Yeah. Make sure we get all those in because it's much easier to do it when you're in development than it is to patch that in and go back and do it mm-hmm. retroactively. So we're going to probably take a little bit of a different approach with our communication, um, probably announce things maybe a little more in advance and, and collect all this info and then make sure we, uh, before we go gold and before we cut off development, like we know that we've got it all. No, that's that's great to hear. Because I know that you know submissions on consoles do tend to cost a little bit, so you can't really do a lot of resubmissions on them, right? Yeah. 
Um, Mel, I heard you mention on a, a different uh, interview where you're mentioning with third-party licensing, when you guys do finally get around to that, that uh, kind of similar to what your third-party licensing is now, that they don't want their licenses being mixed with other brand licenses. You know, it's, it's kind of a sole single focus. And what that made me think of, and I'm just going to use this as an example, because we all know this is the holy grail of what everybody is asking for, but take a table like Indiana Jones. Um, and knowing what you guys normally do, say with the Star Wars licensing, um, is it conceivable that you could do a pack where it's, here's the actual Williams table, and here's now Zen Creations using the Indiana Jones universe, if you will. Kind of like what you guys did with the uh, Mimbon table with yeah. the Solo and Lando. Yes, that sort of thing is possible. So, like, okay. if we were to do that, if we were to do indie, and then, like, you and we were going to make original indie tables, we could, because it's Indiana Jones, because it's Disney, we could do that. There would have to be, um, and Williams, I'm sure, what it would approve. Like, there's no scientific thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, if it's a brand, I'll associate with its brand, that's fine. We couldn't do, um, I think, I don't know, I remember what the example was, but, like, I couldn't do, like, Twilight Zone and Judge Dredd together in a pack. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. It needs to be on theme. Um, Universal is a good example. I can do um, Creature Black Lagoon and we can do Monster Bash together because those are universals, you know. So, right, the Universal Monsters, and that opens up the possibility that if you guys want to do your own Universal Monsters table or, you know, multi-pack or whatever, that that would be thrown in. Okay, great. That's, again, that's excellent news. People are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, something else that's, uh, we're going to skip off the licensing uh question for a moment and dip into another area that uh, we've been getting a lot of stuff based off of uh, this one came from your uh, Facebook live chat. Um, mm-hmm. And it had to do with the oh boy, the ratings, um, the ESRD <laughs> and uh, specifically having the family mode on medieval madness. But then we also realized that's going to mean scared stiff. That's going to mean creature from the black lagoon. Um, can you, Talk us through <laughs> the the ESRD rating and why, uh, with the exact same rating, Farsight was able to release some of these tables without the family mode on. Yeah, and actually, I'm glad you asked this question. Um, it, it's an ongoing discussion right now here at Zen. It's it's probably actually the longest email thread about the game that I have. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we, we kind of feel good. We kind of feel like if this is our problem, we're doing okay. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I know that it's really important. Uh, there's there's a group of very, very vocal people right now who are actually like, we're going to boycott Zen. This isn't real pinball. You guys are destroying things. Here's what I have to say, because the decision isn't final here at Zen. We're, we're looking into it because there, this is a big, tangled mess is the biggest way I can, I can say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with the history of FX3 being E10 plus with descriptors of, my, uh, what is it? It's like mild violence. Fantasy violence and okay. mild language. Okay, so we have millions of people who have downloaded FX3 with that ESRB rating. Parents have let their, ki- let their kids play content. They're buying Star Wars. They're buying Marvel, whatever. Um, and they're playing these games. And, and that's good. And th- that the game to them is rated that. So if we change the rating, um, there's some action that Zen has to take to actually legally notify all of them. It can be done in-game. But then we're also um, with ESRB and some of the, all the other ratings boards, are, which are actually – not they're actually more strict than ESRB. Um, we need to satisfy all those people. And 
have some way for them to like literally opt out of game if they're not happy that the game has increased the rating. So our current customer base uh, is affected. That's one one thing. Two, um, we are looking into the fact if if we can just list the extra descriptors because we don't want to go to teen. Um, You're right. I don't, that, that's just one thing I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to put content in there to, to go all the way to T. I am willing to go um, to add the um, mild blood. Um, there's some other. There's some other things. Uh, there's two more descriptors. Um, sorry, I don't have my. Sure. You, you probably know that. <laughs> there's two, so we'd end up with these uh, three new descriptors, and that would actually cover. Uh, it, you know, it's uh, al- there's an alcohol reference in there too. Um, that would actually cover the majority of stuff. Um, but I'll just say this: that there was there were some games that were actually released under uh, the you know Farsight's ESRB that do the ESRB automated uh, system were were missed, and that game should have been rated higher than it was. And okay. um, that's just that's just the truth. Um, they missed it, and we know that on the other on all the other ones, I don't know what their the ratings were, but they were in line with that content. Um, Would it be because uh, uh, one of the things, basically we kind of thought of two things is. One, if it was standard, uh, family mode was the standard way the game came. And then by doing the old uh, age sign in that you could (laughs) flip the ROM to be able to do the, you know, basically admitting that you're accepting of this other material. And then you would be able to play the the non-family version. Um, Those Those are some options. Like on Steam, you could definitely do that. Consoles, we probably wouldn't get away with that. Um, Other uh, territories might be able to. But what happens to us? So, what if Zen, if we're spending all of our time supporting all these different, you know, basically we're segmenting our community, we're segmenting our game by territory. Yeah, I just argue that our time and our overhead is probably better spent making games uh, that you guys want to play, right? Than taking yeah. care of, than, than than making our whole entire ecosystem a mess. And right, you know what we're facing. And I know uh, Medieval Madness right now is like the is like the epicenter of this conversation. Um. And, but there's some things in there and it's, it's funny, like, is the F word, you know, the big F bomb, it's audible. Is that in the, the original ROM? Is that in the one that was added? Was it added later? That was, was an added. Time? Yeah. It, it, it's, th- there's been just plenty of discussion about that. That was one of those homebrew mods, um, right. as opposed to the bleeped version, which is what came standard with the table. Um, but I mean, I think about also with like Elvira, they even sent out what we basically call a modesty patch, which was a sticker that would go over her cleavage, right? Um, you know, on the back glass, and I know that would absolutely send people into a tizzy too if that suddenly had to be, uh, you know, applied. Um, but on the other hand, as somebody pointed out, yet we have a doom table. We have alien isolation where she gets attacked by the alien, and I don't know. I consider it blood being splattered on the screen, although it's just a red warning, <laughs> more or less. Um, and then you have The Walking Dead where you're there's a mode where you're a sniper taking them out. So right. clearly there's a, a room <laughs> to have this happen. What I guess what we're most curious about is when these games came out, there was no ESRB. Right. Is ESRB's rule basically that if a game came with a family mode attached, that that's what you have to apply? No, that, that that's not an ESRB rule. Okay. Um, it's a rule that we are only allowing content that falls within our user rating because if we release it and it's outside of there, we got a huge fine. The game could be removed from the store. I mean, it's just a okay. problem. So okay. right now we're playing it cautious. We're yeah. investigating this fully. How do we add our descriptors? How quickly can it be done? What is the process to notify our existing customer base? 
we also need to run checks with our existing license holders. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, we're talking about Disney here. You know, like you don't want to tick off Disney. <laughs> no, you don't. Hey, Disney, we did this, by the way. I mean, I hope people understand the scope and the scale of what we're working at. This isn't just like we're sitting here, a couple guys in a basement deciding we're going to release a game. And we haven't thought about this stuff. I mean, yeah. believe me, we're yeah. talking about not like, you know, there's this- a lot to do. Um, so I, I, you know, I understand some people are going to, are disappointed about it. Um, they think we're horrible, uh, but uh, one thing at a time, we're going to try to fix it all. We're going to try to make sure that, you know, you can play the regular mode in um, medieval madness. Maybe even like just put something, I, I don't know, recode the DMD. How crazy would that be? But you never know. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is why we wanted to bring it up though, to, to and kind of dive in because some people do think it's just a, you know a wave of the a push of the button and everything is is well and they don't think about the business side of things and and how it affects everything else and literally becomes well would you like to have these games at all or would you want to lose out completely on like you said the Disney license and what that would mean. Mm-hmm. Um, the last so, thing yeah. I could say maybe a little philosophically is just you know the the world is changing at a pretty rapid pace. Um, you know what's I hate to, what's politically correct what's cr- yeah, there's just so many things and like games somehow become a, a, a epicenter of it and a focal point just because there's um, we're so polarized and it's, it's such a, a progressive form of entertainment. So um, these aren't easy decisions. These aren't easy things to just do. And, and it's like funny because every little, we think of it, we're making all these small decisions, but they add up and they add up very quickly. And, yeah. and so it's just, we're trying to do it right. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can say is that we're trying to be, we're doing a lot of things here. We're just trying to do it all um, right. We're thinking about it. We're not just not thinking about it. So please understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, curious about the, what we're calling the Zen culture. Um, they're in the studio. Obviously you got your designers have been designing their own tables. Um, and I, again, I heard you'd mentioned that there was like something like 40 employees that deal exclusively with the pinball aspect of Zen studios. Mm-hmm. Um are these table designers, are they enjoying the, getting their hands dirty on these Williams you know, machines or are they sticking to original designs and other people are dealing with them? I'm just kind of curious to know uh, how this is playing out. Okay. All I can say is that everybody's like living their dream right now. Um, <laughs> you know, these guys, uh, they, they, in Hungary, um, you know, culture's a little different. History is quite different. Um, most of these guys grew up in a Russian era communism. Uh-huh. And um, you know, pinball was a huge outlet for them, and pinball was something that was available. It's very special to them. Um, it's it, it is their heritage, and so um, being able to work on these games is something special. It goes beyond just like making a game that someone's going to buy. It's just like very special for them. I, I, it's hard to describe unless you're there in our studio feeling this. Um, but yeah, a lot of the we're just letting people, everybody who wants to work on this can work on it. Um, uh, the machines are in our office. Some of them are Zen's personal collection. Uh, some of them are from the uh, Budapest Museum. We have access to every game. And, yeah, we're taking them apart. They're working. They, they get to do this, uh, the whole thing. We are making uh, original tables still. We have a, a two-table pack um, that's in production right now. That's uh, two original Zen designs, and we'll be talking about that early next year. So we're going to maintain um, this thing where we're going to be making Williams Valley. And we're also going to be um, still making Zen content. That's our original designs. And you, you'll still see licensed stuff, uh, you know, from I want to do like all sorts of stuff, Stranger Things, uh, Rick and Morty. You know, so we have a lot. Uh, the, the team is there. It's established. Can do. It can, it's multifunctional. 
super talented, multidimensional, all the cool words. I also have to wonder if by being able to tear apart these machines and really look at them, I mean, especially when you look at a stripped play field, it often doesn't even look like the same game anymore. Um, I'm wondering if this is also improving your designer's own skills when it comes to making original tables. Um, just you know, seeing how the seeing how these things work, uh, you know, right down to the engineering with the mechanics. Yeah, you're totally right. And actually, if you look at Zen, the, the early history and our early designs, I mean, you can automatically see where inspiration was taken from. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Deep, he's our he's our senior guy. He's the guy who did all the pro physics. You know, uh-huh. uh, he's our he's our resident pinball expert and encyclopedia. And um, yeah, he's just uh, he's come such a long way. Um, he could design a, a, a machine. He could design a real world game. And, uh, you know, likewise, some of these, you know, these classic designers, Steve Ritchie's of the world and George Gomez yeah. right now, who's to say they couldn't do a, um, a you know, a video game based uh, property from the ground up. These are the talent, most talented pinball designers in the world. Like, it's really cool to work with them. With uh, regards to just that uh, specifically with Deep doing all the, the physics there, um, you guys have obviously been taking a lot of feedback from us based off of the beta. Um, and, and applying certain things. Uh, how much of, of what we're telling you guys versus deep sitting there with a cabinet, a real machine right next to him and being able to compare real physics, uh, how much play is there with that? You know, is it, we take it into consideration, but then we also have this, you know, right in front of us and we can see it for ourselves kind of, kind of deal. Uh, we take everything into consideration. We have no ego. And we, um, you know, we, yeah, we just, it, the funny thing is like every game feels different, you know, yeah. like pinball is just the same across the board. Uh, I don't know. You play Nina Jones and you play fishtails and you play, um, champion pub, like they're all going to like, it just feels different. So, um, again, it's not this blanket code across the, every game is going to have its specific things. So I think that's why we want the, the we're working on so many games uh, it's possible maybe he missed something or like, uh, you know, some very, uh, so, some of the tricks and some of the mechanics. It's just like, Hey, this needs to be tuned a little bit. And like, we'll take that feedback. Hey, deep, uh, a user, uh, mentioned, um, in fishtails, like, you know, the flip, uh, flick passes is, is like, feels a little weak or a little strong. He'll just, he'll go in and look at the math of geometry and he'll actually analyze it and say, yeah, you're right. Okay. Let's tweak it. So we do it. Okay. Uh, cause I know that we were, uh, there was obviously a big discussion about nudging. Um, it's still an ongoing discussion about the nudging the strength of it. And it was one of those things where somebody brought it up. Hey, you know, if I have the ball trapped on the, the flipper and I nudge my table upward, I'm lucky if I get the ball you know, up an inch, whereas currently I can bump it up a good six inches on the Zen table. So sure enough, I went out to my machine because uh, I have an eight ball deluxe and did that and immediately was a slam tilt and I didn't get it more than a half an inch off the, the flipper. And I went, well, this is the very exact same thing that, that, the guys at Zen could be doing too, but people that have only predominantly played digital pinball and don't have much real world experience would not necessarily like. And so that's where I'm wondering what is the extent of doing what is real world possible versus what kind of people expect um, out of their digital pinball. Maybe it's a combination of both. And I'll just say our mindset is um, we want to get as real close to the real thing as possible, but the real thing is the real thing for a reason. And, yeah. video games are, <laughs> and uh, you look at the history now of how much, how many years have been spent working on, on Williams Valley uh, 
video game, you know, uh, digital representations of the real machines and why don't we have it perfect yet? Um, you know, it, it's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be debate. There's always going to be people who say this doesn't play real. This does play real. Who knows if the, the actual in, the, the question will ever be fully answered and we'll just say, yes, now it is perfect. Don't touch it again. Right. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> it, it does make sense. I mean, because we've even mentioned uh, in real life, both Jared and I's nemesis is Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Uh, and the main issue is that I've never played two that play alike. Um, yeah. <laughs> and within my pinball league that I play in, because we go to people's houses and play their personal collections, and at least four of them own Creature, and those four, none of them play the same. So you realize it just, yeah, there's so much variance that can even That's take place. That's a really, really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, hey, at the end of the day, are we having fun? Are we, enjoying, <laughs> are we playing together? Does it feel like like the good times are here? You know, you know, I understand some some people just get like hung up on the the balls. He's not moving so precisely right here. We have guys who are work on that all the time. Um, but like, I'm really happy that right now it feels like. It, it feels good. It feels like the real thing. Um, we're, we'll continue to take the feedback. We're not going to have an ego about it. We're not going to say Zen's right. You're wrong. Um, but we're going to, we're going to work on a game and everyone just has to know that we're responsive and that we um, we're listening and we want it to be as perfect as possible. Are we going to expect uh, basically the same pattern of release that Zen has been doing all along, which is essentially 12 to 16 tables a year, uh, 16 being a really high number for you guys and 12 being more kind of the baseline where it's like every three months we get another pack. Is that kind of what we're going to expect or is it going to be even more because of having Williams and original tables possibly dropping? Yeah, we feel like we're a little under the gun right now. So we're like really, really cranking it up. Um, one of the things about Zen studio culture is I don't like to work in crunch. Um, the, the PFX three days were re- really hard on the team. Uh, I'm happy that this year we, we didn't have to work uh, like we like that. Um, I want my guys to have families. I want my guys to have lives. Um, the, the game industry is notorious for being brutal and burning people out and not being uh, friendly like that. Zen's culture, we are Zen. Um, we don't live like that. We don't operate like that. So, um, the, the way that we can get more tables out, one, is become more efficient, which we're doing all the time. And we are a little faster with these Williams Valley uh, tables than we are with our original ones. So that's good news. That allows us to get more out. Um, if, if this thing really goes the way that it has potential, um, it becomes a business decision at Zen, and I can bring more people to the pinball team. Um, oh, you know, we are a larger company now. Uh, we have four Four teams at Zen all making, uh, you know, pinball is one of our four projects, but it is the largest project, no question. But we're making other games. Um, and some of those guys, uh, we rotate on, some guys have been on pinball forever. Like they just love it. They do it, never leave. Some guys want to make a couple pinball games a year and do something else. So we let them rotate. But hey, if we need to, we can bring more people to the pinball team. Uh, we can crank out more games. Um, and that, you know, again, that kind of goes back to the response to what happens when we launch tables. Be the response. So, in other words, folks, buy lots of the tables, Zen will increase in size and produce more tables for you to buy lots more of, and then they get big and big and become EA. Um, <laughs> I think you're talking rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about this Star Wars pack, and basically your Star Wars tables in general. We've had many years of Star Wars table releases, um, and, I mean, truthfully, the tables... 
not every single one of the tables that Zen has produced, but quite a lot of the tables that Zen has produced, I would take any day as being better designed than what we've got in the real world. Um, just yep, you guys really put, you've really put thought into, into these. But one of the questions that is, pops up a lot, and it started obviously originally with the first Zen tables, you guys did not get uh, voice cast. But I'm listening to the solo table, and I'm wondering, did are those the actual actors? Did you get sound-alikes? Um, because conversely, on other tables, you guys have gotten the actual voice cast, like, say, for Aliens. Um, but then you didn't have the music, you know. So right. obviously, there's there's costs involved in getting both light, you know, music and voice. But I'm wondering how that works with the Star Wars tables now. Yeah, with Star Wars, um, none of them are the actors from the films. Uh, okay, that is completely. I'm sorry, it's unrealistic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the co- it, especially the, the modern day stuff. Um, actors are, are smart enough these days; their agents like control everything. And if you want, their the the amount of money they're talking about is. I mean, look. They're paid very well for a reason. Um, yeah. But the, the, so we do have um, we have Disney approved voice actors. Um, these are all like union guys. These are all very professional voice actors uh, for anything that we're doing these days. Um, I know like Tom Tom Kane did the voice of Lobot, which is pretty special. Um, uh, back on our Spider Man table, like Yuri Leventhal did uh, Spider Man, and he just voiced for Insomniac's uh, Spider Man game. So we're talking, you know, we're using upper echelon like best quality uh, talent that we can get uh, for these tables in particular, the new star Wars games. Yeah. Um, these are, these are like the guys that would be voicing star Wars animated ser- uh, shows or other uh, star Wars games. So okay. it's, quality is, is up there. Now, um, obviously with star Wars, you actually got the actual star Wars music. Um, correct. Was there kind of, a, and I know again, music licensing is just, beyond expensive and a bear did you guys kind of buy a pack of star wars music that then you just extended you know just reuse table to table or are you constantly having to repurchase new music for these tables no we've got a we've got a deal in place where, i don't know there's three different parties uh, that control the, the star wars music um we've got a deal in, uh, you know long-term deal which is with our um the extent of the, the star wars it, it, it's all you know lined up yeah yeah the ip we've got the music we've got all the various aspects and yeah it's a collection of music and uh, we're able to use that uh as we need uh for the star wars universe okay also what was unique about this release is instead of being timed for the theatrical release you have it timed for the home video release did that kind of allow you guys to uh design the tables without having to worry about spoilers because i know that that can be an issue where the studio's like well we don't really want you to to have full information on the script because we don't want spoilers getting out and then you don't get, you know, designs. Whereas now it would be kind of like you had more of a lead time to be able to see everything that you could put into the tables themselves. Yeah. I could give you a big answer here. It might be interesting. I don't know. Do you want, do you I want love that? licensing questions. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so actually the, the solo pack in particular took a lot longer than our, our normal uh, cycle for development for, for many reasons, but you know, we've been day and date with film a few times. It's really painful. It's very, very difficult um, to do that on a production standpoint because movies changing all the line all the time. Uh, some lines that we, some dialogue that we thought might be final, actually gets changed. Colors of costumes, um, movements of characters, actual storylines. So um, we've kind of shifted our approach to try not to be day and date with film. 
it's just too risky that we're going to miss uh, a release date or that something's going to change. And then it just, we have to go all the way back through the submission process again. And it hurts our license, you know, our production team and our producers over at St. Disney. Right. They have to do the whole thing again. So it's just better for us to try to time our stuff um, around a home entertainment release or something. If it's massive and evergreen like Star Wars, then it can be, um, you know, we, we found a good window for it. And there's lots of opportunities. May 4th, there's celebration. There's big right. events. Um, and so, so yeah, that's kind of the approach that we're taking now because uh, film stuff is just, it, it's very difficult to do. We, um, man, I, we did it really well with like Guardians of the Galaxy and Force Awakens, but it's, it's so painful. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just better to go, to go this way. We were able to take our time. We don't have to worry about spoilers. Uh, we can do our press cycle the way it, it's supposed to be run. Yeah. Maybe we're not competing with, with the movie you know, uh, in terms of visibility and just chatter and, and stuff. So there's a lot of reasons, a lot of things that you think about when you, you decide when you're going to launch a game and especially being on movie content. Um, I, I'm really proud of this pack. Um, I love working with the Lucasfilm guys because they push us to explore areas of the Star Wars universe that other people aren't paying attention to or aren't exploring. We're actually one of the very first real uh, dedicated Lando uh, content, you know, in games, which is super cool. Um, so like, the, the the Lando table, you guys dip into the novels that came out way back when. I yeah. mean, it, it, I was really shocked to see that. I was like, "Wow!" I remember reading that when I was twelve. Um, you know, it was just kind of kind of in, impressive where you went with that. Yeah, the comic books and novels. Um, uh, you know, it is you're living. Uh, I don't want to do spoilers, but yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of chronicles. That's why it's called Reason yeah. Chronicles. You know, it's like. It's not just a linear thing and you get to play different stories and uh, it, it's, man, it's really cool. It's got some, it's seriously got style. Like I love the color palette. I love everything about it. It's really great. With your Marvel tables, they, now correct me if I'm wrong, but my impression has always been you guys had to deal more with the comics uh, as opposed to the movies. And yet some of your artwork reflected the movies. Um, like say for instance, Ant-Man really reflects the movie but it doesn't necessarily seem tied to the movie seems more tied to comic. Um, is that kind of how that works with your Marvel tables or are you trying to kind of inch towards more being the, the Marvel uh, cinematic universe? Yeah. Well, we, we kind of did some one-offs there based on films and that was at the direction of, of Marvel. You know, they, they came to us and said, Hey, we got a movie coming. Uh, can we get a game around it? And, you know, we took a look at it and we're like, of course. Uh, and so, um, yeah, some of those are kind of one-offs, but the majority of our early stuff was definitely just based on the comic universe. Um, yeah. There's a movie now in, in, the, in the MCU. That's its own special thing. So, Because mm-hmm. yep. I know that I, 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 it was one of those things where it was like, A, I'm shocked that we didn't get a Black Panther table, but I knew exactly why we didn't get an Infinity Wars table because we already had Infinity Gauntlet, um, which basically covered all that material. Same thing with Thor Ragnarok. We already had Hulk, uh, World War Hulk, which essentially covered that content. So it's kind of it's kind of different figuring out, oh, is that a potential bar, a Zen table or is it now they've already kind of covered it with, you know, with previous tables that they've done. I that the MCU is following what Zen was doing in pinball. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, like, that's, again, we were listening to our, our players, what they wanted in there, you know, and it's like Marvel must have just been doing the same thing. I mean, and it takes longer to make a movie than a game. So, um, or a pinball table, I should say. Uh, but it's, yeah, that, that's really funny, right? <laughs> Have you guys ever thought of doing sequels to some of your tables? Like, you know, take, for instance, Sorcerer's Lair. 
uh, you know, is, is very popular. Have you ever thought of doing an, a Sorcerer's Lair too? Um, I'm writing that down because no, I don't think we have. Because <laughs> I know that I mean, with with some of your early Marvel tables, it would be wonderful to see, you know, like take Spider Man, the one that you guys did is you know your typical Green Goblin and you know the the, the typical villains that we're used to, but. Now we've got so many new villains that we've been introduced to, and everything is like, ah, oh, I'd love another Spider-Man table, you know. Here's but, the uh, thing: like Spider-Man's not actually a 3D character in Spider in, on the table, which is really funny to me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, then, it's true. I would love to do. I'd love to redo Iron Man. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, I always go back to we learned so much from the Iron Man game, um, especially we learned how to make tables more accessible because like Ultimo comes up out of the middle of the table and point. Two percent of the people that played that game have ever seen Ultimo. You know, I've seen it once, and I played the crap out of that. And it's such, a cool, <laughs> it's such a cool moment. And I feel like, man, we should do Iron Man again. We should just like redo the whole thing, or just. I saw him literally for ten yeah. seconds because I was so like, "What the heck is that?" That the balls drained on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You finally get there and you see it happen. You freak out and you lose. And like, yeah. yeah. So. Hey, Mel, I've got a question um, for some of the folks who aren't actually on Steam at the moment, and it, this specifically relates to um, mobile. Um, but this would have been me if I hadn't actually got a, a, a Steam-capable computer because I was uh, been watching a lot of the uh, the Steam fun that uh, Chris was having for a while um, from the sidelines. So I'm just wondering um, if you could go into a bit more detail about um, how the mobile customers are going to be looked after for the uh, the Williams Pinball collection. Yeah. Um, just to make it clear, Williams tables are coming to mobile. It, it's confirmed. We're coming to mobile. They're not coming to Zen Pinball, uh, to the Zen Pinball app that you all know today. Um, that game was Zen Pinball hit the app store 2011. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't even remember. It's it's not optimal right now. It's not a it's not a good game experience. Like we're still releasing tables there, but we're going to give you guys something much better for Williams, um, and we'll make specific announcements about that. Um, hopefully, here in the near future. If you played any of our other standalone games in the more recent uh, time, you know, like Aliens vs Pinball or Bethesda Pinball on mobile, you can see where our mobile games are going, and um, you know that's what you have to look forward to. That's great. So that answers the question about there. There are some technical barriers with the current. Um, batch of mobile games that just prevent you from doing it at this stage. We want, we want to make a landmark mobile experience. I mean, that and you know, that's what we're going to go after here. That's really good. I know we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, uh, ask a question for our cabinet uh, support people. Um, mm. A lot of people are wondering uh, is there going to be full cab support like the regular stem tables have with the Williams tables? Um, and kind of leading into that, it winds up being questions about the back glass. Um, I know currently with uh, the Zen tables, people are having to find their own backlash images. There's not actual official uh, automatic backlash that pops up with the Zen tables. And so they're, they're kind of wondering, oh, are we going to have to do the same thing with Williams? And then in conjunction with that, w- would you guys have animated backlashes for the Williams uh, tables? Okay. So yeah, the current cabinet feature set on Steam is going to be applied to the Williams Valley tables, so it's going to work the same way it does now. Um, there's a lot of work we need to do on cabinets. Um, our our works right now on on cabinet mode over the last time. Some of you guys may have seen like Pinball FX Championship Edition units showing up on yeah. various locations. Um, we're getting ready for a pretty major thing with cabinets. 
And um, so uh, the, the work is in, in progress. I think cabinet mode can be a lot better on Steam. It can be a lot better out in public locations. Um, it's something that I think is very exciting. I think it's a form factor that shows the game off in a very special way um, and is a, I, you know, just captures people and brings them into the FX3 universe, make, will make them a pinball player. It could be our platform for major eSport competition. Um, and so there's, it's very important to us. Cabinets and cabinet mode and all of this, is a, it's a huge potential. It's a big thing that we're looking at. Um, we've been working on it for a while. I guess the hardest thing with a lot of the cabinets is that it's, it's, it's almost like the PCs. There's so many different types of cabinets and so many different hardware configurations out there that getting a one-size-fits-all solution for these uh, cabinet fans is actually really quite a challenge, I'd imagine. It's really difficult. Um, PC gaming is changing. It just changes all the time. And, like, new graphics cards, uh, new screens, resolutions, people with different monitors, uh, the whole bit. I think what we can do is try to give more control to the specific player um, and and give you guys more tools to tailor the experience to whatever it is you're playing on. Look, we love that we've, I mean, we kind of like spurned this whole thing. Uh, there was a huge argument in Zen whether or not we should turn on cab features back in the day. And, uh, but we had so many requests and I just, I wanted to help the DIY community. I wanted, I love these garage projects that people were sending us pictures of. And, and then of course we had to go and we had to check, is this an official, is this a new platform or since it's PC based, does it, again, does it work with our licenses? Can't just get yeah. start using licenses on some other thing. That's a whole nother business model that other people are profiting from and, Believe me, these people pay attention and they 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 deserve to. It's their property. So, um, again, it's a whole. It's not just a push of a button kind of thing. Like a lot of these things we're talking about, I'm glad we can talk about them, and I can maybe hopefully share a little bit of the the detail and what's happening with it. Yeah, that's really good. And how about VR? Uh, obviously, there's Pinball Sex Two VR with uh, I think what you guys have twelve tables out for that currently, something like that. Um, people are wondering, are they going to be seeing Williams tables in VR? at some point. Yeah, I got to say, I was a little surprised. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have been, but how many people want to play these in VR? It's really cool. I love our, I love playing pinball in VR. Um, once you experience that, it's just a whole other dimension. Um, and I think I was talking about this the other day, and we're, I was talking with Acos on our, our live stream, but like, you can just think about your favorite game and then think about it in VR and what the, the theme coming to life and an atmosphere around it that um, makes you feel like you are like inside the experience. It's so cool. It takes a lot of work. It, again, it's not like we developed the assets from the ground up for this. Um, and uh, for each table, we'd have to go back and we'd have to we'd, we'd work on everyone from the ground up. And we'd package it together and we'd publish the whole thing again. And um, if there's there's demand for it, we can do it. VR, I think, is growing. Uh, it's a, it's a, a category that I, I think people maybe have dismissed already, but it's progressively getting bigger. And it, there's bigger and better games and better experiences. So um, the, the business side is viable. Again, it comes back to think about all the things we've talked about here during this discussion um, in my team and what are we prioritizing and what's most important and checking off, checking off one at a time, you know, um, challenge. I know that uh, you commented on the uh, uh, Twitter and then I wound up commenting on it, but uh, uh, Jerry, Jeremy Williams yeah. created his own uh flipper stand, if you will, with a, a analog plunger, and he had uh, uh, an accelerometer for doing a nudging on it and whatever. And it's this incredible, small, little compact box, and he was using it specifically for VR. 
And I thought to myself, oh, my God, if I could have that box and just play regular, you know, 2D on my PC, but with that box, that'd be so incredible because then you're really doing flipper buttons and you're really being able to, to feel the, the nudge. And it's so much smaller than having a full cabinet. I was just like, oh, I would kill if somebody would just put that to market. Um, it's like too bad Red Octane isn't still around. Uh, you know, back when they were doing DDR dance pads and doing all the Guitar Hero yeah, stuff. I don't know if you know my history. I was I was an early part of that in Guitar oh, Hero. Oh my god! All right, <laughs> I have a lot of experience with peripherals. Yeah, <laughs> we have one of Jeremy's boxes in our office. The office all right, cool. Wow. Yeah, that would be that would be for me ideal. <laughs> it would be incredible to have that because um, I'm not ready to dive into the VR. Um, it's a little it's a little hard on my eyes specifically because you can never quite get the resolution as crystal clear as you want it to be um, when you're reading text. But on the other hand, when I've tried it out, oh, my God, it's so it's so visceral that I literally tried to put the controller down on top of the glass and then drop the controller to the floor. Um, <laughs> So uh, there's another one, pool. I think it's like pool arcade VR or something. It's like it's a billiards game. Okay. Oh, it was so awesome! I, I felt, it felt so real to me. I thought I was leaning on the, the pool table and I fell out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've had this. I, I know what you're, you're talking about. Like so you lose, I, yeah, I do. Guys, that's that's definitely the appeal of VR. Once you've tried it and experienced it, then you realize how amazing it is. It was. It's almost like when uh, back when you guys had Plants vs Zombies available as a table. And when I saw it, the first, whenever I tried playing it, it was always it visually just never made any sense to me. Then I went over to a friend's house that had a 3D TV, and this was back on the PS3 days, and he showed it to me in 3D. And that table, it was just like, oh, oh, this is what, and it completely made sense. My game was so much better, and that's kind of the leap that happens when you throw on VR, where it just becomes this real object. You can look underneath the table. You can like you can move yourself all the way into it. You can see yeah. all the things going on. I mean, yeah, it's it's really really neat. Um, it's great technology. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to do more. Jared, do you have any last questions? We <laughs> the scary part, Mel. We didn't even crack the surface of how many questions we had posted to us from uh, people on the forum. Um, is there anything, Jared, that you want to uh, highlight? I think I've hit everything that I wanted to. I'm I'm frantically scrolling through the list. I think we we've. <laughs> I think we've covered up um, most of the stuff. Um, oh, I had, I had a question. I don't know if you can actually go into this. We we have an idea of how long it took Farsight to actually strip a table and actually get it to the point where they had a flipping digital version of it. How long do you find that it's taking to actually do this process now? Um. It's a little different. I might not be the best person to answer that. So the, all this work's going on in Budapest. I'm out mm-hmm. here in California, as you know. Um, I was just there two weeks ago, actually, and they were taking apart uh, a game that's going to be you know, future uh, release. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was kind of asking them. It was crazy how many how many pieces there were. And, and I'm sitting there, like, watching them do it, and it's very methodical. And then they get done, and I'm, and I'm looking across all the – and I was like, how are you guys going to put that back together again? You know? <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it takes, it takes some time and, and then and you take all the pieces and you model them and then you get the, the artwork going and you get the, the game up and running and you put it all together. And, um, and now we're doing the remaster version and, um, you know, the, the, the different physics, uh, it's like I said earlier, it's, I think, I think because we've just completed our first round here, 
I think it's a little bit less time than it takes us to do our original tables. Um, all right. Once, and once we've done a few more, uh, I'll probably have a better idea. But um, it's all about efficiency. But I thought we did pretty good this first time through. Um, we gave ourselves plenty of time. Um, I'm not. I, I'm not going to give you like specific, but yeah, it, no. it's a little bit shorter than uh, than our original process as it should be because we don't have to write rule sets. We don't have to create everything from scratch. Um, but yeah. Well, not only that, but eventually you're going to have certain assets that uh, repeat table to table. You know, whether it's star posts or bumper, you know, pop bumpers and stuff like that. So I mean, those will then be just part of your digital library that you'll be able to dump on a table real quick. Uh, without having to model it brand new every single time. Yep. Yeah. Hey, the other thing I was going to ask too, not that I'll ever be able to experience, of course, because I don't think I'm going for a flight over to Budapest anytime soon, but what can folks expect when they go for the studio tour over there? Yeah, um, this is really cool. Uh, I'm excited to essentially open our doors um, to to players who want to come and, and hang out. They're going to come into Zen. They're going to get a welcome. They're going to get a full studio tour. Um, there may or may not be a room that's locked and blacked out, for, for <laughs> um, and then uh, and then we're gonna we're kind of putting together like a presentation of sorts um, that one of our lead designers is actually gonna give and it'll walk you through uh, the process of doing the Williams Valley tables and production and stuff and then um, we have a lot of machines in our office uh, they'll just be turned on we can play have some games and then well, you know probably we're talking about an hour tour um, it, it probably if you're there on a Friday it's gonna turn into longer because it's Friday afternoon or something. <laughs> um, and we're going to give you a ticket to the Budapest Pinball Museum. And um, that, you can go down there and, and you can go hang out and it's free entry on us. So that, that's kind of the, the, the general overview. That's pretty cool. Uh, just getting the studio tour alone, I think, will be really interesting for folks to experience. But yeah, going yeah. to the, Buda, the, the museum itself sounds just amazing. It is really, really cool. We're going to be doing some events there. We're going to be doing some uh, live streams. I can envision like some announcements will be made from there at some point. It's kind of home base there for the Budapest guys and uh, right now Pacific Pinball Museum is kind of um, in, in my area here in Northern California so um, expect you know us to be doing things at these locations yeah it makes me think about uh, uh, like I know out here in Banning where they have the oh, yeah. 700 plus uh, machines at the Museum of Pinball um, I know they have an event coming up in October and then they have their Arcade Expo usually around March I'm wondering would we expect to see Zen there with your uh, with your cabinets yeah, this is something that's, uh, you know, a little different for us. It's been hard for us to do events just because of the logistics and the way our company is set up and who's here in California. We have a small team here. This team is growing uh, with the sole purpose of being more hands-on, more on the ground, grassroots, being involved with the pinball community, being on-site at events, um, interacting, demo, like just being, a, just being a part of that. We're excited. This is fun. Like being part of this real world thing now, we can really jump in in a different way. Um, so, yeah, you can... You know, it's gonna it's a little lead time there to get our schedule put together, get the team assembled. But uh, yeah, you can you can expect us to be showing up at uh, events and locations like that. Because you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm in Southern California and uh, happy to uh, you know help. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be like you know asking community involvement and out. You know, that'd be cool. <laughs> Um, well, Mel, you have been more than generous with your time with us today. We didn't expect to have, uh, uh, have you around this long in our podcast, and this has been fantastic. We've covered just an absolute ton of material. Questions that we've always wanted to talk to Zen about, because the only other time we had got to talk with Zen was with uh, the former community manager, uh, uh, Bobby Balam, mm-hmm. and she 
wound up at the time I didn't have hardly any Zen tables on PC. She hooked me up with a whole bunch of codes. And from there that snowballed into me buying everything else. So, um, but unfortunately as community manager, there's only so much that she can answer about what goes on in Zen. So this has been questions that we've had for years, uh, just piling up, wanting to ask somebody that actually uh, was in the know. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we're in a special time and moment right now. So we're, we're, uh, we make, we're making the conscious decision to be open about stuff. We want people to know us. We want people to understand our process. I think that's important as we, as we endeavor in this uh, together is really the way we look at it. And like I said, this marathon. Um, so as much information as I can give you guys, so you, you know what we're doing here, you know what our focus is. I think it'll help everybody here again, have a good time playing these games together and, and just like, you know, really enjoying life, enjoying the game. Yeah, I can't wait to set up some custom tournaments with these uh, Williams tables, believe me. Oh, man, it's been so fun. <laughs> Count me in. Count me so in. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Well, folks, that is basically all the time we have for our podcast also. Um, couple of announcements. Next podcast, that'll be our 150th. Uh, whether we do anything special because you know we've only had three weeks in a row special (laughs) we'll come up with something uh also want to uh give a shout out uh we had another generous donation uh dropped off this morning to us um that helps us keep this podcast going and eventually might be able to afford us to buy software that would let us do like you know live audio drops and that sort of thing so um yeah pretty cool we we know who you are we thank you very much <laughs> um, yeah, that thank was you quite so generous. much for your support you're, you're um, a legend and we are currently working on uh getting some new t-shirts uh available to you to with our uh current logo going on um and maybe we'll have that ready to go by next week uh who knows maybe yeah. that'll be our big thing but we're working on that currently uh so yeah, beyond that, go check out our website. It is blockadepinball.com slash episodes. There you will find all of the previous episodes along with the timing notes that Jared spends copious amounts of time putting together. Um, and they keep on getting more and more spectacular. So make sure you check those out. Make sure if you have questions for us that uh, you don't feel like asking us on Twitter and you don't feel like personal messaging us on digital pinball fans, you can always drop us an email. It is blah, blah, blockade at gmail.com. Regarding that other stuff on Twitter, the show is at blockade. I am at shut your traps. He is at Jared Morgs. Anything I've missed Jared. I think you've got all the socials covered off there. Um, just want to also give a final shout out to all the uh, new YouTube followers. We've had a huge up, uptick in subscribers on YouTube. So welcome. Thanks for watching. Um, and um, let us know uh, what you think of the show if you're new to it. And uh, you know what, folks? Do yourself a favor. Go check out on YouTube, Spacey's Arcade. Uh, he does some. He doesn't always talk pinball, but his last two episodes have been specifically about the uh, Williams zen stuff and he does a lot of really great comparisons between uh visual pinball real pinball uh pinball arcade and what zen has been doing and uh it's quite interesting to see some of the visual you know like when you talk about it or when you read it in print you're not quite understanding maybe what's being said as opposed to when you see it visually happening in front of you and go oh yeah that's that thing so um definitely go check out his uh youtube and um see what's going on in the videos there too yeah absolutely 
All right. right well, on. I guess we'll we'll pull the plug, Jared. Shall yeah, we? I think I think we've <laughs> we've definitely talked well and truly long enough today. So right. uh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. So thanks again to, to Mel Kirk, uh, Vice President of Publishing over at Zen. And folks, we'll see you all again next week. Bye bye. See you later. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.